0: and others. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you were thinking of starting your own podcast, you want to download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey, everybody loves Wednesdays. For some people, because it's the middle of the work week, For others, like myself, it's a podcast day, which means I get to meet another great guest. I get to learn something new, and we get to add value to our lovely audience. So if you're joining me on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. If you're joining me on Facebook, please like and share, because don't keep this stuff to yourself, okay? Don't be selfish. And if you're joining me on the audio platform, please share. Please review. Give us that five-star rating, because we throw nothing but fire over here. And if you're brand new and you have no idea what this is about, we're all about overcoming obstacles. We're about defying the odds and becoming the person that you were born to be. Oh, and me, this is me. I started doing workshops and doing groups if you don't have the clarity of vision whatever next thing you get you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision so the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again and all that stuff i was like you know what like i want to be able to take this even bigger if you know why you do what you do you have to know how to charge for what you do That's how you're gonna change your life. And that's how you're gonna leave a legacy for your children and your family. You gotta know your work. Every time, gives me goosebumps every single time I watch that. I think it's the music, I'm not sure, but I love it. All right, so before we get to my guests, you know, we gotta do the teachable moment of the day. And so, everyone at some point, has been hurt by something, and if you were hurt by something and you're holding on to it, I want you to get get a notebook because you guys know I'm always writing on this show. Just get a notebook and write down write down what happened, write down how it made you feel, and once you get to that point, I want you to pluck out the teachable moments in that. So if you guys watch the, watch the show on the regular, you know I, I, I always talk about the passing of my father, and I never talk about it from a sad point of view. I talk about it from a, a grat- an attitude of gratitude, just all the things that I got in my 45 years of having him and plucked out those teachable moments. And then when other people are grieving, I can use my story to kind of help them process what they're going through. And so can you. So that's my challenge to you is to take something that's hurt you that maybe you haven't told anyone, you're keeping it inside because there's power in that story. And, you know, when I bring my guests in, it always says above the top, you know, the true power lies in your story. So that will help you heal because now you're going to get those feelings out. Even if you don't tell anyone else, you'll still have them out in that notebook. And then once you see that there's teachable moments in there, the more you speak about it. Now that story of hurt becomes a story of power. That is today's teachable moment. So today we're going to be talking about asking for more. Because all of us want stuff in life, but then we got that little side of us that feels like we're being selfish. And you guys know I talk about selfish on this show a lot. And if you're someone who uses someone or something for personal gain only, that's being selfish. But if you're trying to attract abundance into your life so you can help more people, that's, that's your duty. Like you were born on this earth to do amazing things. Like people always say, I don't know why we're here. We're here to help other people. That's why we all have different skill sets, why we all have different thought processes. And that's why we're here. So as we get into it today, I say get into it, as we talk with my guests, oh no, it locked me out, put me back in. Okay, there we go. So, who is this guest? Okay, she is a business negotiation strategist. She is an international speaker. She's the host of the Ven Zone podcast. I want to talk about that one. And author of Why Not Ask, a conversation about getting more. Help me welcome to the show, Christine McKay.
1: Hey, how are you? It's awesome to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Loved your teaching moment. That was amazing. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank I got I mean,
1: goosebumps too, by the way. That was that's pretty, <laughs> I, that's an awesome reel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Like originally that, that was why, why I got it was to pitch for speaking gigs. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, you know what? Let me just, I actually had it on here just to get the audience opinions. Like, what do you guys think about, about this new intro? And everyone's like, "That is fire! That is fire!" And like, and I literally get goosebumps every time I watch it. It's so, really like,
1: good. It's really so like, it's good.
0: Kind of yeah. long, but I'm leaving it. <laughs> 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 All
1: right.
0: So, wh- where are you joining us from?
1: Well, right today, I am in sunny Chicago, but i okay. I live in I I live and operate my business out of Los Angeles usually. So. Okay.
0: LA gal. All right. I thought I saw Montana on your bio. Is that is, that that where is true? From? I
1: I that is where I am from. So usually when people say where are you from? I usually ask, where am I from or where do I live? So I live in LA, but I am a Montana country girl through and through. Through
0: and through. I think my last I feel like four out of my last five guests were from from the LA area. Ah Good it's it,
1: it's a big space <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah it is yeah I've been to California a few a few times uh, remember <laughs> I went to Sacramento went, one of my one of my twin boys qualified for the nationals in track and field and awesome. it, was in, it was in Sacramento but we flew in because people want to call me cheap. I say I'm economically savvy right <laughs> so so it, <laughs> it made more sense to fly into San Francisco and then just drive right so we're in Sacramento it's 106 degrees. Oh, my God. We get back to San Francisco at 51. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, was, I was like, how do we, yes. how do we just do a 55-degree swing in a yep. matter of 90 minutes?
1: Yeah, oh what is God. it that it's the coldest winter I ever spent was the summer in San Francisco? Yes. Oh, my God. San, yeah, yeah. Well, L.A. is not like that. I mean, I lived in downtown and... um we don't usually get, like it's unusual for us to hit over a hundred, but we do do it. It's just not very often, but it is very different from the 60 below zero that I remember living with in North central Montana. That's for sure. So no, I don't want to go back to that. I'm at at an event this week and there's somebody here from Montana. And I was like, she was like talking to me about how much beautiful, how beautiful it is. And I'm like, Oh yeah, hell I I know how beautiful it is. And, and and I know that winter has already started and winter Mm. will end in may and no thank you can't do it anymore
0: i mean we we don't get 60 below here i'm in rhode island but it it does get cold yeah it's cold like it it was in the 30s this morning and same thing i always say we have 10 days of spring we have 10 days of fall and then it's either hot or cold
1: yeah i lived (laughs) in new england for a long time so i'm with you i get it my (laughs) husband's from massachusetts so okay
0: yeah, it's like just just two just two weeks ago, it was pushing pushing eighty eighty degrees. Just and go like out to Block
1: Island where it's still summer. <laughs>
0: yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's dive in and talk about this getting more. But first we're gonna talk about you. All so, right. So how would you describe yourself?
1: I am I come across kind of serious and intense, but that that's really not who I am. I'm actually super approachable. I love giving. I l- love serving people. Um, but I'm very observant of inconsistencies. and I'm excellent at seeing patterns. And because of that, it helps me to to see things that people in themselves that people might not see. So that gives me a different perspective. So, one of my challenges is I run the risk of holding a mirror up when people aren't ready to see it. And so over time, when I was younger, I, I didn't realize that's what I did. Now I understand that you know sometimes it's better to observe. and most of the time it's better to observe and give people the space and grace to see things in themselves through creative questions um, when appropriate. And other times it's more appropriate to just say, Oh, okay. I observed that check. Now I file that away, but they don't need to, they'll they'll discover it when they're ready. (laughs) And so, um, but, and I'm also, I am actually kind of funny sometimes. So I have a really dry, (laughs) crazy sense of humor and uh, I love traveling. And um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing actually at this event Somebody told me, they said, um, they said, Christine, I've seen you speak a couple of times on stage and I just don't think you're warm enough. And uh, my response was, I'm a professional negotiator. (laughs) 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 There's a point of being warm and then there's, a you know, and giving that vibe off. And then there's a point of being transparent and honest. And I err on the transparent and honest side, which I suppose in some ways could come across as not being that warm. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of who I am. So I've, I've worked a long time to discover that and uh, d- discover that those things about myself. And i I've, I've, you know, I, I love learning about myself. I am the biggest student of Christine McKay on the planet. So <laughs> <laughs> I love it.
0: Say, and the way you speak, you're, you're going to attract the right people because you know people see like Tony Robbins and Les Brown and those and like like they're they're motivational speakers but they're out the like outwardly. So there are there are there are people that don't respond to that. (laughs) Oh (laughs) absolutely. I'm in that I'm in that that boat because like I'm very I I get loud I'm boisterous like I'm very direct in my in my wording and some people just don't, don't respond to that. Some, some people like, some people need it just the way you say it, mm-hmm. you know, you know, that's absolutely. That's yeah, one thing I learned, sorry, sorry. One thing I learned I in speaking is that you're not going to please everyone.
1: No, no, no. I mean, for me, it's about, I mean, here's an example. So this one person this week said that I'm not warm, but then, um, and, and I I had a reaction to that, and I thanked her for it. And then I, you know, was processing it. But she had seen me at an event in Atlanta, and um, the event in Atlanta was a hybrid event. And one of the women who was attending the hybrid event, who was not a friend of mine on Facebook, but she sent me a, a direct message on Facebook, and she said, "I'm in the area. I'd love to come ha- have you. I'd love to come see you and have you sign my book." Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, that that I'd be honored. Well, in the area was 85 miles away. Oh, wow. So she drove 170 miles to spend 10 minutes with me so that I could sign her book. And her car was not functioning. And so she borrowed somebody's car to do it. Wow. So so when I think about what's externally verifiable information, and what are my external data points to validate one opinion or another, I'll take that somebody drove 170 miles to have me sign the book and take that as more valid than somebody's opinion who didn't actually provide me with actionable things that I could do to address her, her opinion that I wasn't warm. So, you know, it's... That's part of, that's, that's part of the negotiation that we have to have with ourselves all the time. We're inputs constantly. And it's like, not all, not all feedback is good feedback, but be evaluative of it. Don't judge it. Be evaluative of it and say, okay, is that feedback effective or not? Is what I'm doing effective or not? Is it working or not? And if the feedback is, you know, not effective, then ignore it and move on. If it, you think it's effective, then, okay, then it does, is it their only data point? Are there other data points external to myself that I can use to kind of uh, evaluate, you know, further evaluate? And is it an opinion? Is it in somebody's head? Is it a reaction or an emotion that they're having or that you're having? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that you can evaluate? Somebody driving 175 miles, 70 miles to have me sign their book is an action that's like quantifiable. Somebody's opinion of warmth, that's not quantifiable. I can't do much with it. Yes. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so I love that story because it reminds me back of of when I was making the decision to leave the restaurant industry and so many people had, had opinions about it. And then for a split second you start getting in your own head. And it's like, you know what? Like the only opinion that matters is mine. <laughs> it's like that that's fine. Like my my ex, you know, my now ex at the time, she wasn't even on board. But I was like, but I feel like this is something that I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I have to do this thing. And the other side to what you said too is your response. Mm. You know, like, is your response gonna be helpful to this person? You know, because usually when people get criticized, you know, the the first inclination is to get defensive. And right. it's like, you know, you gotta step back. In, and again, you know, I'm gonna be transparent. Twenty years ago, maybe 25 years ago, I was that person. I tell you all about stuff in two seconds if you didn't like some something that, that I did or said. But now now it's just like, you know, I'm here to serve the people who support me. I will listen to constructive criticism. Like I'm far, I'm far from perfect. Mm-hmm. But but if some someone just doesn't like my style of talk, then don't listen. Right, it, it, right. it's that it's that simple if you don't like some, something something i i post or tweet scroll by it, it, it's that easy you don't have to stop and take the time to let me know that you hate my tweet
1: it's like then, right. then unfollow me exactly i mean and, and you know right now we have so many opinions that bombard us in social media, right? We post something and we get no reactions and we assume that everyone had an opinion that was negative and that's why we didn't get no reaction. Oh my God, that sucked. And so I got to do something about that. I got it didn't get any reactions. I got to fix that. Right. Or somebody says something negative and we just like go all in on it and we wrap that negativity around us like a warm blanket on a winter night. And it's like, what the hell am I doing? This is like, I don't need to do this crap. Right. I don't need, I don't need this. Right. We, if we continue to evaluate ourselves based on other people's lenses and one of the things you say in your intro that I just absolutely love. And it's something I talk a lot about too. You talk about clarity of vision. Right. And I talk about clarity all the time because one of the biggest things that people are not effective in doing is being clear about what they want. Yes. And so when we don't have clarity on what it is we want, whether it's our long-term vision or whether it's what we want out of its specific deal or transaction that we're working on, guess what? You're gonna get it. Yeah. That muddy, murky garbage, you're gonna that's exactly what you're gonna get. Because you haven't spent enough time being quiet in your own mind to clear to clear your clear the decks to say, what really is important to me and and what's not important to me what's in the middle and how do I kind of how do I move forward to get those things that are important to me right and that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make every relationship we have is negotiated yeah. so people you know I'm a negotiation expert people are like oh my god I hate negotiation I'm like do you, you have do every day <laughs> do, 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 do you have a relationship? because you, because you do it every day. If you were, you know, a parent, if you're married, if you're an employee, if you were, if you have children, if you ever were a child, you negotiate, you absolutely negotiate. And so, but when we don't get clear on what it is we want, we don't have that clarity of vision to use your language. We, we can't get, we can't get anywhere and we'll end up doing deals and enter entering into relationships that don't serve our purpose. That drain us, that drain our energy, that drain our spirit. And, you know, that costs us lots of money, either in the front end or the back end. Um, and, you know, and that's what most people do. And most people think it's okay to do that and live that way. I'm like, why? Why do that? There's a better way. <laughs> There's
0: just a better way. It's it's fair. And, and it's the societal norm. But like one of my all time least favorite sayings is, well, my attitude's going to depend on theirs. I'm like, you just, you're you're basically saying, here is my emotional control. You can have it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, it's like, that's what you're saying. It's like, someone can say whatever they want to, to me. And it's like, if it's lighthearted, you know, I'll tease back back and forth, but like nothing, nothing can penetrate my skin. Nothing, there's not one thing out there that society could throw at me that can shake me. And it's because it, it took it took years to get to that point. Cause like, like I said, couple couple of decades ago, it's a little feistier, you know. But like, but now, as you said, you no, know, is this gonna serve me? Is my response gonna serve this other person? And using fitness as an example, when people come into my gym, it's like, all right, why are you here? And they're like, uh, I just wanna I just wanna get healthy. Like that's BS. Nobody wakes up and says, I just want want to get healthier today is I like did a specific reason. Like, why are you here? And well, you know, I just want to lose some weight. How much weight? You know, like going back to that clarity of vision, it's like, how mm-hmm. much weight? Why? Why is that that? that Why is that important? Why is the way you look and feel right now, why is that not serving you? Mm-hmm. And, and we, we spend like a solid half an hour before I even talk about my programs or sh- we'll give them a tour of, of, of the gym. It's like, yep. why are you here? You drove by many cheaper gyms to come here. You know, so why are you here? And then, like you said, with that negotiation in their mind, you know, it's like once 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 you have that clarity of vision, everything comes clear. <laughs> you know, as cliche as it is, but yeah. once you know what you want, then you can take the steps to go to go get it. And like that's the first negotiation, in my opinion, that people need to take is the hell do you want? <laughs> absolutely,
1: absolutely. I mean, we we I I often say that the hardest part of every negotiation. Happens right between our ears, right? It's that we're sitting with a customer, and it's like I, I have a deal right now that I'm working on, and uh, one of my clients is selling. They're looking to sell their business, and a buyer's like, well, you know, a buyer approached them, and they hadn't actually thought about selling their business until this buyer reached out to them, and the buyer text emails me yesterday and says. Well, it'd be great if you could tell us what the asking price is. And I'm like, well, they hadn't actually contemplated selling the business before you guys approached them. So why don't you tell us what the asking price is, what you're willing to pay, right? Yeah. And you know, I'm like, why did they do that? Well, they I think I suspect that they got a valuation back that's higher, and they think that my client thinks it's lower. Mm-hmm. So I think that they're trying to to play a game about kind of what the value is, but it's like, so what that told me in that moment is they're not clear on what it is that they want. Right. They haven't decided. And and it's like i'm not i'm not going to sit and throw them a line on it and help them with it. It's like go do your valuation, come back to us, tell us what the number is and and then we'll go from there. We'll see if your number matches aligns with kind of the valuation that we're building and you know, and it's like and it, that clarity it, it's just like it's astonishing to me how few people how little time people spend understanding what it is that they want. When I'm speaking on stage, I tell a story about how I bought two brand new cars for the price of one plus $5,000. Wow. And I literally walked to the deal, walked into the dealer and I offered to buy two brand new cars for the price of one. Right. And people are like, Oh my God, how did you do that? Mm -hmm. And I did it because I was clear on what I wanted. That was the first thing I was clear on what I wanted, which is why I loved your intro and your comment on clarity of vision, because vision isn't just like, where's the big thing? What's the big thing? What's my 10 year, 20 year vision? Where am I trying to go? It's vision is in the moment, right? It's what's my vision for this thing in front of me in the moment that I'm working on, that I'm doing that I have, you know, whether it's, you know, I have an employee who didn't show up for work, right? They, they they like they woke up this morning and opted out. It's like, oh <laughs> shit, I got to negotiate. What am I going to do? How am I going to handle that? What am I going to say? Am I, How angry am I? How am I going to control my emotion? What's my ob- overall objective, right? What's my overall objective? Do I care that they, they opted out? Are they a poor performing employee? Is this a pattern, right? What are all my data points? How am I going to analyze that situation? And people just don't, Put them, they don't give themselves permission to think that way.
0: Yeah. And, and from a leadership perspective, you know, because I said I spent, I spent what, like 17 years or so as a restaurant manager. And anytime I had to let someone go, it was never a fiery exchange. It's like I just led them right down the path to burying themselves. <laughs> you know, so it, it, it really isn't awful. I mean I, I'm no expert the way you are but I'm pretty damn good at it but like so I would just sit down and I would just ask the right questions and they'd be like if you were me what would you do <laughs> and they, they'd be like I'd probably let, let myself go they, or, there you yeah, have it
1: <laughs> yeah I mean usually when my experience is that a bad deal for you is a bad deal for me I just may not know it yet. Yeah, true. And I feel that way in personal relationships with people who get divorced, with people who get fired. I mean, when somebody says to me, oh, my God, it took me completely by surprise. I'm like, then you just weren't paying attention. Yes. Because the clues were there all along. You were just so absorbed in yourself that there's no way that you could observe and see what was going on around you. Because things like that just, it's unusual, unusual. It's not impossible, but it's very unusual that a relationship just goes bust like instantaneously, yeah. right? It doesn't, it 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 just, it's usually the result of a series of events, a series of behaviors, a series of actions that have led somebody to go, okay, this relationship, whether it's an employee, employer, whether it's a husband, wife, or, you know, partner, partnered um, partner situation, whether it's a business partnership, whether it's a mergers acquisitions kind of situation, customer supplier, any relationship, they yeah. explode over time. One of my mentors, a gentleman named Blair Dunkley, he talks about how change happens in an instant. Yeah. And it's like, there's all sorts of things that lead up to that moment of change, but change happens in a moment.
0: Love that. You know, and like people, people say that you know, love love is the most powerful force on earth. I was like, love is fragile. <laughs> you get I me? Mean? Love is fragile. You can be married for 20 years, your husband backhands you. I guarantee you, that relationship's gonna change. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it really is. But but positivity. That now now you're talking a di- different ball game like positivity paired with solid negotiation skills because similar to, to although I think your yours is a little more impressive but like I was able to, to negotiate when I bought my house I had I think my credit score was like 590 I want to say I had nothing to put down and I said I want this but no money down. And he's like, oh, you know, with your credit, I'm not sure. And I was like, but this is how it has to happen. And like, we went back and forth for a few few weeks, but I ended up getting it for no money down. <laughs> so I got, finally, I, I went to the loan office. I said, dude, this is how you get paid. <laughs> I said, so if you don't make this happen, I'm going to find someone else that's going to make it happen. <laughs> I said, so I can either do it through you or I'm going to do it through someone else. I said, mm-hmm. well, you guys are not going to squeeze me. And so, yeah. and he, he technically like held all the cards, <laughs> you know, but, but once I put it to him that way, I was like, if you can't do it, I'll find someone who will. He's like, wait, wait, oh, hold on, hold up. You know, a couple of weeks later, got it done.
1: Well, that's an interesting thing because power. So there's a, a huge, there's a lot of people when they talk about negotiation, right? They talk about power and leverage, right? And I do a lot of what I affectionately call David and Goliath negotiations. So I work with my background is I've negotiated for, I've been negotiating for almost 30 years and I've negotiated with almost half the fortune 500 63 of this year's fortune 100. Um, And I've negotiated with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of small and mid-sized companies. So I've done a lot of negotiation and there's a huge conversation that takes place. that's like around power right? You know, Walmart has power in the negotiation. I hear it all the time. I'm like, true. If I choose to give it to them, bingo. if I choose to assume that their power in the conversation is greater than my power, then yes, they have power. They have more power than I do. But if I choose to stand in my own power and say, I have power, I have leverage. They're talking to me for a reason, and if I'm clear because I, I'm, I have clarity of vision and I am clear on what it is that I do, who I am, what I stand for, what my business is, all those things, then Walmart's talking to me for a reason, and that I automatically have power as a result yes. of that. But how how do I use that power? How do I how do I leverage that? So I always have I always have. Um, I was kind of chuckle when people were like, when people say to me, oh, what, Walmart holds all the cards or, you know, mm-hmm. Apple holds all the cards. Well, Apple holds a lot of cards and and they are a very different company to negotiate with today than they were 15, 20 years ago um, when they didn't have, you know, all the cards 20, 25 years ago, right? They were yeah. they were struggling, right? They couldn't market their way out of a paper bag 25 <laughs> years ago with a yeah. flashlight in hand. <laughs> um, and they figured it out, right? Now they're the, you know... You, you, so, but you, if they're talking to you, they're talking to you for a reason, right? And what is that reason? Which is the other part, right? Once you have clarity on what you want, you've got to spend time understanding your counterpart. Yes. Why are they talking to you? What is, what are the reasons what they're, they're talking to you for? Who else could they be talking to you to, to if they weren't talking to you, yes. right? How do you fit into their picture? How are you going to help them be successful, Right. negotiation is a conversation about a relationship and you cannot win a relationship, but you can get more value out of it. So how do you want that relationship to look right? And how does it work for you? How do you make that relationship work for you and for your counterpart? Whether again, your counterpart is, Apple or Walmart or take your pick a company or whether it's your partner or your kids. How do you want that relationship to work? And just people don't spend enough time. I had somebody come up to me after I spoke at her event. She was the host. And she's like, oh, my God, Christine, I didn't think I was going to learn anything from you. And she's about my age. And I said, well, and she said, but I learned that I need to think about my counterpart. Yeah. And, and I was all right. Yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was like, all right, yeah, that's that that is like most people, 65% of negotiators do not spend any time thinking about their counterpart. And when you start thinking about the what is important for your counterpart and how your counterpart defines success and you get curious about that and you start asking effective questions to discover how they define success, then you open the door to possibilities. Because without having that conversation and that dialogue, you're not able, all you're able to do is think about the world in your own perspective. And your own perspective is limited and it's weak. And so you need the perspectives of the other side in order to make you even bigger and even better and so that you can achieve that big vision that you have.
0: Yeah. So now this is a different, uh, this is from a different perspective, but I think it still makes the same point is I do a debate show also.
1: Ah. And and
0: I always have, have you seen any part of the Cobra Kai series? I have not. No. Okay. Well, there's a part in there where one of the guys says, when you, when you go to war, you have to take away your opponent's ability to fight it. Right. And I kind of, I kind of liked that, that line. So you know they illustrated it, illustrated it out. But my take on it is, going into a debate, you kind of really know the other person's stances very well, and then right in the beginning, I take them off the table. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so, so you just address them right away because now they're forced to look at things through a different lens. Mm-hmm. You know, for for example, um, I use I use my my Twitter for my controversial topics. You know, like, and I keep YouTube and uh, YouTube and fa- Facebook and Instagram just all positive, motivational stuff. So there's a guy arguing with me about, about race relations, and he's white. I'm brown skinned,
1: <laughs> right? So okay, right? so <laughs> automatically he he gets a discount factor on, on his
0: statement. No, it's it's <laughs> like I, I always say, all sides are welcome to the table. You know, yeah. because you know, because if you're talking about the, the the plight of people of color, I me, mean, white people are part of the conversation. So absolutely, you, so it's you
1: like should... men are part of the conversation for you know yeah. gender and gender gender related issues. Absolutely,
0: yes. yeah, and so but but he's just like discounting my lived experience just because yeah. I, I I was the, I grew up with two very strong willed parents that helped us build resilience. Like, that's where, you know, the whole shut up and rhyme thing came from. Like, like dad, dad, more, more so dad, instilled that stuff into us. That, yeah, life's going to throw you some curveballs, but that doesn't have to stop you from moving forward. And this dude is just regurgitating nonsense after nonsense after nonsense. And so I asked one question. I said, tell me what you're doing to combat what you see as the problem. And he's just writing back all this other stuff. Answer my question. <laughs> Answering yeah. my question. None of that matters. What are you currently doing to combat what you see is the problem? Because what I'm doing is I have a podcast that's heard in 30 countries. I speak in schools. I volunteer in youth groups and after school programs. You know, yeah. helping helping these kids to see there's a different way. <laughs> you know? So so it's like I, I completely took away took away what he thought was his argument. It's like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And he danced all around. I, I still don't think he, don't, don't think he, he's answered it because I, I restarted it again this morning. Because I was like, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, like you're trying to tell me I'm this and I'm that. I'm like, like you can't. I said, I don't discount people who are more affected by those things. I said, but you can't discount the fact that I wasn't. How did I last 47 years if things are so awful?
1: Right. Right. Well, I mean, that's, and I think that that's, you know, I think that's a common thing, right? Um, We see, we see people do it all the time and and it's gotten worse with social media and, um, you know, and with media in general and, you know, there, there have been sayings, you know, don't, don't cast, you know, mm-hmm. s- you know, stones mm-hmm. in glass houses. Yep. Don't be the first to cast a stone, right? You know, keep you keep your side of the street clean. I mean, there's just like all mm-hmm. sorts of, you know, there are all sorts of, you know, phrases throughout human history about exactly these things. And, you know, it's it's easy to take somebody else's opinion and co-opt it and not have to do any work around understanding it, being able to defend it, ju- rationalize it, justify it, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and then use it as kind of a, a weapon to beat people up with or to, you know, you know manipulate different situ- situations and scenarios to their own end. But there's no action. That's being taken, exactly. right? So, you know, the testament of one's belief and, and another, this is another, Blair Dunkley is a huge mentor for me. And this is one of the other things he talks about is, you know, belief is not something that happens. Um, it, belief happens after action.
0: Yes.
1: So you can't, be, you know, true, you know, you've got to believe in something to take action. you got to act before you, and then you get proof. And then once you get proof, then you develop belief. Right. But when you're not taking action, right, all you're doing is parroting somebody else's opinion and it, it's hollow. And yes. so, you know, part of the challenge with social media is, and I don't, didn't, Intend for this to become a diss on on social media, but one of the challenges with social media, especially as a negotiator, I mean, I interviewed Jillian Michaels for my podcast. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And um, she's an amazing woman. And, you know, she one, the, I didn't really know much about her when I, the opportunity arose to interview her. And so I, you know, I was, and I was upfront cause I'm transparent and honest person. And so I was like, I didn't really know much about you. So I went and did some homework. Right. Mm. She had a terrible reputation. I mean, like yeah, there's a whole <laughs> article about her looking angry and being a bitch. And I'm like, what the hell garbage <laughs> is this? And I actually asked her the question, um, how do you, when it comes to negotiation, when you're, when you know what you want and you're trying to negotiate for your want, well, for what you want, how do these external opinions of you influence your ability to negotiate for yourself essentially, right? Because that's what social media does. It, it, It like some of maybe some of the stuff that people say about, you know, about her, about me, about you. Maybe some of it's true. Um, And maybe some of the good stuff is true. Maybe some of the good stuff isn't true. The stuff that's positively written isn't, is a little exaggerated. Maybe some of the bad stuff is true and maybe some of it's exaggerated. I mean, I don't know, but right. And neither does anyone else. And so, what do you need to do to figure that out? You need to do some of your own damned homework. Right. But we've become so freaking lazy that we don't want to do any of the work. Yeah. We just don't want to do the work. And when you're not willing to do the work, your the quality of your relationships is going to be non-existent.
0: Agreed. Because just,
1: relationships are work.
0: I just want to piggyback on what you said about believe, because one thing one thing I always say, going back to, to the clarity of vision, I said you have to see it. But then you have to feel it. You know, you gotta feel it. So like I tell people when they come into the gym or if I'm working with with clients online, and I tell them I said, close your eyes and picture what you want. You know, like it it doesn't, it doesn't have to be like a certain size or or whatever. I said, but just close your eyes and just picture it what is it that you want? Like really feel it. Now tell me exactly what you see, like be as detailed as possible. And then like, you can see, like, as they start talking the face lights up and stuff, it's like now they're in that state to where they can feel it. Okay. Once you can feel it, then you're ready to take the steps. And then to what you said, you take the steps, then you can now, now lead to belief.
1: Now, you know? Yeah. And what's interesting about that is that I can't do that. So I am oh, yeah, not I capable mm-hmm. of visualizing. Yeah. I I'm, i can't. So I can feel it. I can, I can, I can, because I can connect with the different emotions that I want to feel when I achieve something. But yeah. if I, my brain, I don't know what it is, but when I, unless I've already experienced it, I cannot visualize it. Ah. Okay. Yeah, it I don't know, and I don't I can't do it. I don't dream in vision, I don't dream in mm. pictures. Well, I'm a visionary, so like
0: I can do it. Yeah. I can go right now. I can take myself to Colorado. I went zip lining in 20. I'm getting myself goosebumps. Ah. So it's like, ah. <laughs> it's like I'm such a visionary. So it's like That's I can I, I it, can do that. But
1: I can focus on the feeling of it. Yeah. I can definitely focus on the feeling. I just can't picture it. If I've not done it, I can't I can't picture it. It's 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 a frustrating. Drives my husband nuts. He's like, we walk into an empty space and he's like, oh, we can do this, 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 and this. And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> that, he's like, let me way. draw it for you. And I'm like, yep, doesn't help me. <laughs> I'm like, I still don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's awesome.
0: See, and, and that and that just goes back goes to show, like I always say, there's there's no one right way to do things. Exactly. There's exactly. Not, just, just Even going going back back to speaking, like someone who's not overly overly extroverted like I, I work with training speakers as well and people are like well I'm not really I'm like all you have to be is you that's it you don't have to be anyone else like me I'm loud I'm extroverted like when when I'm in front of a crowd it just gives me energy you know mm-hmm. like I, I love that I said you don't you don't have to be that way just because I am I said do you get up there you connect in your own authentic way and they're still gonna connect with you
1: you know yeah yeah, and that's and that's and that's the thing about that's the thing about negotiating. I mean like even when you're on stage, right, your presentation, you're negotiating with the audience, right? Yep. And um all communicate all negotiation is communication. Yep. Not all communication is negotiation, but all negotiation is communication. Yep. And so how we communicate and how we communicate authentically is a big deal. And, you know, the term authentic, being authentic has become a buzzword. So what the heck does that mean? And I've been talking about authenticity and transparency and negotiation for decades. And my thing is like, it goes to one of the things you were talking about earlier. You know, it's like if I, I name and label things in a negotiation, if somebody, so I had somebody a couple of weeks ago treat me, he was was very misogynistic. Mm. And he made a couple of comments that were just completely out of line. And so instead of getting, you know, riled up about them and getting mad or anything like that, I said, may I ask you a question? He said, sure. And I said, what reaction were you hoping to achieve when you made those comments?
0: Mm.
1: What do you mean? What do you mean? You said A and B, what reaction were you hoping to achieve? Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to get any reaction. I said, Oh, I said, okay. I said, so were you trying to accomplish anything with those comments? He's like, oh, 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 and I said, okay. And so we just, I kind of kept going through this thing with him until he apologized. Um, nice. And And it's like, you know, because he got caught. Yeah. Because most of the time people would have just let it go. They wouldn't have said anything. They would have just, they literally, they would have, they would have internalized it and gotten mad about it. But I was like, I'm not here for that. That, that emotion isn't going to serve me right now. I need to stay focused and you can't control your emotions, but you can control your reaction to them. Yes. And it's like, so I was pissed. I was not happy with him. And, um, but it's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, my acting on that anger or reacting in anger is not going to accomplish anything. So what's a different way I can, can get to, I can move the conversation forward without, without expressing the anger. And that was how I did it. But yeah. So. Right.
0: I'm stealing that. I'm stealing that
1: quote.
0: <laughs> can't control your emotions, but you can control your reaction
1: to it. Absolutely. Love it. I yep, love
0: it. It's absolutely. Spot on. All right, so let's talk. Of, talk about about your book. What was the motivation
1: for writing that? So yes, I have a copy right here. So why not ask a conversation about getting more? Um, so it's you know the thing is is that I learned how to negotiate when I was early in my adult life. I was nineteen. I was pregnant. Um, I lost my job. I got evicted from my, my trailer and started living in the back of my car. And I was six months kind of between living in my car and couch surfing. And I met this woman. It was shortly after I quit living in my car and she challenged me to write down a goal. And I went to the welfare office for the first time and they said, what are you going to do? And I blurted out the goal. And I said, I'm going to go to Harvard. And they laughed at me and a lot of life happened and I married a not nice guy, um, ended up, you know, I used to do my grocery shopping at the food bank. I would you know, boil water on the stove to give my kids baths. There were some times when I went through the garbage can to be able to find soda cans so I could put gas in the car. Not, not great moments, not great moments. And one day I couldn't feed my daughter. And, uh, and I was like, I can't, this is not the life I wanted to live. Um, I did not envision this for myself and I need to do something different. So I had to renegotiate with myself. And in that process of renegotiating with myself, I had to learn how to ask. I had to not only ask for what I needed, but I had to learn how to ask for what I wanted in life. Yes. And, you know, as I started going and, and, you know, 13 years after I told that welfare officer I was going to go to Harvard, my three kids walked in front of me and got little teddy bears that said HBS right as I got my MBA from Harvard University.
0: awesome.
1: And, you know, it's and it, so as I got and I started working with all these big companies and, you know, as I worked with them in various capacities, whether it was a merger acquisition, whether it was procurement situation or a customer sales situation, what I saw was that smaller businesses are at a huge disadvantage in the market. Yes. And that disadvantage is going to be getting bigger with the deployment of artificial intelligence in the negotiation fabric for big companies. It's going to get bigger because companies have announced McKinsey, McKinsey, um, A big strategy consulting firm did a study that showed over 70% of major corporations intend to um, elevate a new C-suite position called the chief negotiation officer. And all negotiations are going to start to fall under that role. And so there's a consolidation of negotiation. There's a recognition that negotiations is a skill set that adds huge strategic value to an organization. And so I wrote the book because... Every small business owner I know has been laughed at when they were told, when they told others they were going to start a company. Every small business owner has been, somebody has told them that's a stupid idea. That's impossible. Nobody's going to buy that. You can never do that. You're going to fail. You're going to lose your house. You're going to do this, right? Mm. The negativity around starting and new statistics are over 90% of businesses fail and, you know, when I look at what small businesses face and I remember what it was like to walk into the welfare office for the first time and look around at all the people there and the depression and the desperation that existed in that space, it's not far off of what I see in, small business, in the small business universe. And so I wrote the book because I don't want small businesses to feel that way. I'm on a mission to reduce the business failure rate by helping people ask for what they want in their business and in their life. And, and I believe, you know, people say, Oh, you got to fix your marketing. And I'm like, no, you got to know what the F you're going to freaking ask for. What are you going to ask for? Right? So why not ask? Because the answer just might be yes. We get mm-hmm. more yes in our lives than we do no's. We just choose to focus on the yes. So why not ask? You already have it. You, you get, you're, nothing's going to change if you don't ask, right? You're, the status so quo really- is going to remain the same if you don't ask. So what's the risk of, what's what does a no really mean? It just means that the status quo exists. And a no, freedom starts with no, because No means that you're free to ask for something of somebody else and spend, get your yes someplace else. So no, for me, means freedom. And it was, so I wrote the book because I want small businesses to be able to ask for more of what they want. And I wanted to show them how to get it by using the big, the tools I got that I learned at Harvard, the tools that I learned working with the largest companies in the world. And so that's what this book is about.
0: Love it. I love how you said about people asking and then getting laughed at because I feel that holds so many people back. And again, when I started the fitness thing, it's like, you know, I didn't I didn't really have savings. I didn't have I didn't have good credit. I, I'm a college dropout, you know, so like I don't have a business background and but I was like, but I'm good at it. <laughs> you know, and so in spite of what it's like my, you know, mom, mom was always like, just follow your heart, just follow your heart. You know, and dad was a li- little more on the realist side where he's like, you know, you're out there chasing these dreams and, you know, yeah. you, you got kids to raise, you have a house paid for. And, yeah. and I was like, but, but like, I don't want to do that anymore. Like, I'm not, I'm not there. I don't want to. Like, this is what I want to do. And, and I'll never forget when I finally built it to a point to where we could open up our own, our own facility I just remember my parents walking in there and just the look on my dad's face, you know, and it's like, see, people say it's impossible until you do it, you know? So you're absolutely right. You know, you're absolutely right. Like you you don't know until you try and you won't get a yes if you're afraid to ask the question.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You can't, you're not, you know, you don't get what you want. You don't get what you want. You get what you negotiate for.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: You really do. And and we're negotiating all the time and whether it's with ourselves or with others and you know that's I said it I said it earlier you know the hardest part of any negotiation happens between our ears so that because we're constantly telling ourselves why we can't ask for something. So like, oh my God, if I ask for that, that client's gonna walk away. Or oh my god, if I ask for that, they won't sell me the house, or you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how do you know? Mm -hmm. And and what does no really mean? No is really just an invitation to ask another question. Right. Look at any self-respecting seven-year-old. Because those Mm -hmm. those kids, (laughs) they will ask this, they will ask 10 adults. 10 different ways for the exact same thing until one of them gives it to them. It's so true. Right? Every single time, seven-year-olds are like incredible at this. They're so good at it. Right? Yeah. And you know what? We were all seven and, and we, we lost our way. We, we forgot to ask and, and you still you've got to pay attention to what your counterpart needs, because if you don't do that, then you're not going to create more value. You're just taking you're just taking value. You're not creating more value. Look for ways to create more because there's more for all of us. There's a research study. I think it's out of the University of Copenhagen that actually shows that um, in business negotiation, there's usually 42% more valuable, more value available in the negotiation than our, either party realizes it. So while people are looking at it and going, here's my pie and my pie is worth 100, if you get 10, that means there's only 90 left. And if I get 10, then that's only 80 left. But there's 42 more, there's a number of 42 more that's available that we're not even looking at because we just don't give ourselves permission to think beyond what's right in front of us. It's true. So remember the show Fair Factor? Yep.
0: All right. So they had, they had a scaled down version at Universal Studios in Florida and I was on my, this was in 2005, I believe. I was down there with my parents and my, my now ex-wife. And so I went, I wanted to, uh, to audition for it. Cause I used to watch the show all the time. And so I go, I audition and I thought I did pretty damn good, you know, because I told you big crowds. I shine. Yep. And so I had the personality full on display. And so they start picking the people that that, that they wanted and he didn't pick me. You know, And my mom was like, All right, I guess it's not meant to be. I was like, oh, hell no. All right, the guy, the director's name was Rocco. I was like, Rocco. I was like, can I talk to you for a second? I said, how did I not give you what, what you asked for? I said, "Did I not give you everything that you asked for here?" And he's like, "You know what?" He's like, "Come, come, come back to the five o'clock audition." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and so, <laughs> so I go back at five. Did did my thing again. I went even harder this time. But now he messed with me because he picked me last. But <laughs> so like he was picking up one. I'm like, "You this bastard!" <laughs> and, and he's like, yeah, from Providence, Rhode Island, Robert Foster." I was like, "Yes!" And I ended up winning the whole the whole thing you know and so but had I not asked him I would have never got the opportunity
1: right yeah exactly yeah (laughs) you don't get opportunities you know we either get too focused on where we're on what's in front of us and we we operate with blinders on and a lot of the opportunities you stay to the side of the room and look in because a lot of the opportunities are going by us and we're just not even paying attention to it. Cause we're just like going like this, you yeah. know? And, and then, you know, sometimes the opportunity presents itself and you just have to ask for the door to open a little bit more. And that happened to me for my job that really launched me into a, a negotiation career. I was working at what's now Verizon and th- there was like an international mergers and acquisitions job open. You're supposed to have an MBA and all these years of experience. I had like a year of experience and no MBA. And, but I had a manager who believed in me and I was like, I really want to try for that job. I really think I couldn't do that job. And so she helped me to do it and we, and I got the job and you know, Two months later, I was in Jakarta, Indonesia, working on my first wow. big international mergers and acquisitions deal, right? But you if you if you don't ask, and if you don't ask others for help, right? You asked Rocco for help. Yep. You asked Rocco for help. You didn't, you 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 found the person who could influence on your behalf and who might be will, able and willing to, to do that, right? And that's the same as I did in my job, that job situation. Yep. I found somebody who was able to influence that situation and advocate for me. And people ask me often, you know, how did you go from homeless to Harvard and, and beyond, right? So, and the way I did it is I surrounded myself with people who believed in me yes. in the moments when I did not believe in myself,
0: that's one of the biggest things I hear in the gym when people will say, you know, so what's Rob like? They're like he's he's tough. He's like, but he believes in you. Like he wholeheartedly believes in you. And that that matters. That definitely matters. Like people, people drive in in, in Rhode Island, this is considered far, but people will drive 30 plus minutes. Yeah, like the entire state, you can get top to bottom in foot 42 yeah. minutes. <laughs> you yep, know? Yep. So, so here, here a thirty minute minute ride is like, whoa. I'm <laughs> almost you know. in
1: Massachusetts or Connecticut at that point. <laughs> yeah, <for laughs> real? I'm, I'm not going out of state. <laughs> yep.
0: So so true. so my gym used to be in in Cranston. So Cranston and yep. Warwick are like this, and I I ended up having to move it to Warwick.
1: Nine miles. Beaches in Cranston, isn't it? With with which beach? Goosewing Beach.
0: Believe it or not, I don't know. I no, it's down one. in
1: that area. Yeah, okay. yeah.
0: But but yeah, but I lost forty five clients because I moved nine miles. Yep. <laughs> forty five. I was like, wow. Yeah. All right. So let's let's talk quickly about about your podcast.
1: Yes. So In the Venn Zone is what it's called. Um, So Jillian Michaels was on it. Um, I'm about to drop an episode with Lee Steinberg, who's the uh, real Jerry Maguire, um, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, yeah, it's really just bringing a wide—it's a wide cross section of people um, because I believe that negotiation happens everywhere. So it's really about where do we negotiate and how—how how has that worked for people or not? Um, I took a little bit of a break and I'm just coming back to it because um, I—I uh, did a lot of episodes and all at once, and I was like, mm-hmm. I need—I needed to reevaluate whether whether it was being effective or not so i'm coming back with a different slightly different version and putting myself in it a little bit more than what i did originally yeah. um but i'm super it, it's it's one more way that i the goal is to reach small businesses and to help them do that be more effective at this and you know, and so that's, and and it's, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I had um, Scott O'Neill who used to be the uh, CEO of Harris Blitzer sports entertainment, Mm -hmm. which owns the New Jersey devils and the Philadelphia 76ers Jillian uh, Michaels, Lee Steinberg. I've got, I have a woman who she got on, she's from Canada. She um, was buying a company Her, she and her husband were buying a company with their own money and everything. And she was nursing, and she talked about how she, you know, planned that she was going to have to nurse her baby while she was in the negotiation and she didn't leave the room while she did it. And because it was with a bunch of guys, and how did she stand stay in her power and not lose her leverage and be absent from a discussion? I have somebody who was a who's one of the fathers of organic farming in the United States. Um, You know, there's just, it's a, it's just a lot of great people with great stories and great insights on how negotiation on different aspects of negotiation.
0: Love it. And how can people get in touch with you?
1: So the easiest way is to go to our website, which is nnegotiation.com. And it looks weird because it's three it's, it's three N's in a row, but it's Venn, like in Venn diagram, V-E-N-N, negotiation.com. And then hook, hook me up on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn all the time. So yes, exactly. And uh, so... Um, but I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me on any social media. Our YouTube channel is event negotiation. So, um, you can just find us through that.
0: All right. Awesome. Well, that is our time. So this was a very, very insightful com- conversation. Appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your stories and your expertise with, with the crew. And, uh, so, so this, this broadcasts immediately. So that's why I do, that's why I do them live. because I don't have the patience to edit. So, <laughs> so I just do them live and then, uh, once, once we're done, it'll be uploaded to, to the podcast platform. And then it goes out to, out to all of them. So I so got people all across the world that tune in. So it's good
1: stuff. Awesome. awesome. Well, this has been great. I've loved this conversation. Love your energy. Thank Just you. a wonderful, wonderful experience. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for everyone who to everyone who tuned in and is listening.
0: And um, do, do you, do you want to be connected to some of my podcast friends?
1: That'd be great.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, um, connect with me on Facebook. Uh, just look for okay. Robert, Robert B. Foster. Cause like, cause all of them are on, are on Facebook. So it's easier to just go right down the list and, and make the connections. And so look for, for about say six, six to eight.
1: Okay. Sounds great. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Fabulous. Have you a great day. Thank you. You too. Have a good all one. You. Cheers. Bye. Bye. All
0: right. So that was Christine. We were talking about asking for what you want and, the answer is always going to be no if you don't if you don't ask. You no, know, just just like in basketball, you can't score if you don't shoot. And does anybody make every single shot? Nope. But if you make just enough, you can become one of the greats. <laughs> you know, but it, it starts with taking a shot. So that's all I got for you for today. I'm gonna be back on Friday with Diane, and we're gonna have another another great discussion. So we can go through our guest backstory, share my stories along with it. Also, we can help you get out of a rut. So we'll see you then.
1: You've been listening
0: to Shut Up and Grind.